Cool. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's Hassan here from Ref6. Um, I've got the honor today of speaking to John Nilsson um, from CONCACAF. Uh, John is an ex-FIFA referee, um, Danish-born. Um, FIFA, FIFA ref assistant referee. FIFA assistant referee. Sorry, that's that's good to get corrected early on. Um, Even better, yeah. <laughs> um, and now <laughs> is a supervisor of assessors for CONCACAF. Um, so assesses a lot of the elite referees there, but predominantly looks at training the other assessors that assess in CONCACAF. So, um, John, it's a pleasure to um, meet you and speak to you today. How's everything Thanks going? Thanks for inviting me. Great to be here. How's everything going? All, all good All good there? All, all is good, yeah. Um, except we don't have any soccer games to watch. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but Hopefully it'll, it'll come soon, maybe without spectators, but at least, you know, it'll, it'll still be a new game instead of watching reruns of games from... 1963. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so, so John, uh, super interested to talk to you today about kind of your career and and how and and kind of how it's progressed into assessing. But can we take it back? Like, how did you um, start? Um, how did you fall in love with football? And then, like, why did you become a referee? Good question. How much time do we have? <laughs> Not too much. <laughs> My my dad was a soccer nut. He just loved the game. So me and my brother from little boys, we played all day. Mm -hmm. And uh, we would stay up late when we were supposed to, to watch the games that was going on all over Europe. And uh, so I played soccer at a high level in Denmark as a youth mm -hmm. and uh, became Danish champions when we were U14, U13, something like that. And my brother played on the Danish Olympic national team. And... Um, but I left Denmark uh, as I was in my early 20s mm -hmm. and uh, had already stopped my soccer career a little bit before that, but I still loved the game. It was like a passion of mine and um, went traveling for some time and met a beautiful Canadian woman who brought me to Canada. <laughs> but during that time, I was... I was working in Iran for a while and I had opportunities to get involved with the game again and the Iranian people, they love, they love soccer. Mm -hmm. They're fanatics just like a lot of other countries are. And I actually had the opportunity to create a soccer uh, a little tournament and realizing at one point that who was going to referee the games. Mm -hmm. that, that was nobody else. And I just refereed the games and never refereed before but knew the game well. Mm -hmm. And in hindsight, we realized that it was a lot of fun. I actually enjoyed that. But I never thought about it at the time. When I came to Canada, I took up soccer again. Yep. And I don't know if, if you know Canada well, but we love ice hockey. Mm -hmm. And it's physical. Somebody beats you, you take them down. <laughs> and I don't know if the video shows, but I'm not a big man. I got injured all the time. I broke my leg, I broke my collarbone, I broke my wrist. I, it's like, it didn't work out well for me because I was small and skillful and fast and I just had no protection from the referee. And I so eventually, even though I kept on coming back, I had to eventually say, this it's too much. is not worth it for me. I can't do this. I'm, I'm going to be in too many pieces if I do it. And I became a coach for a while, which became a little bit like a babysitter. It was not really what I really wanted to do, although I enjoyed it. So I was going to quit. Mm -hmm. And somebody said, 
you know, my brother's a referee. He said there's a referee's course. Have you thought about being a referee? I said, no, I really haven't. But, you know, when I think about it, I felt I wasn't being protected by the referee. And I remember in Iran, I actually enjoyed it. So I took the course and that was, that was in 1981. Boom. I, I was hooked on referee. Brilliant. Um, and that's, that just took off from there. Yeah. Is, is, um, in, and coming up in Canada was, was, was soccer big there? Was it easy to go and referee games? Was I, was there a lot of games or was there a lot of referees? I think the, I was a little bit lucky in the sense that there was a lot of British people here in British Columbia. Sure. And there was a lot of actually people from Germany and other Italy. And so we had a lot of local teams that were playing within their, from their country. We had a little mini Nations Cup, we called it. This was like a World Cup where people were playing from their country. And That's we cool. had probably 20 different countries. So there were opportunities, but it was difficult. I could never find a game on TV. Mm-hmm. The world, even the World Cup wasn't really being shown on TV in the early days. It was very, very difficult. It was all hockey, basketball, baseball. Sure. Uh, those, were the, those were the big sports. And it, it, was not, uh, it was not easy to, to even find a game. Now that they changed as, as time went by. Mm-hmm. And sorry, now it's very, very popular. It's, it's played by more people in Canada than plays hockey now. Oh, wow. So that's a, that's a big step. And uh, and, uh, and they're going to be joint um, joint hosts for the World Cup in 2026. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Mexico and US. Yeah, I don't know how many games we will get. Probably the the fewest of the three, but maybe ten games or something like that. So that's going to be very exciting. And hopefully they give Canada a free berth into the World Cup. <laughs> so at least you get the World Cup again. You've only been in 1986 in Mexico. That's the only time you've been to the World Cup. Okay, well, so so that's good. And uh, and so how did you? So from taking that referee course, how how did you become a FIFA assistant referee? Was it a quick journey? Did it take a long time? And did you did you set that out as a goal? Like when did you start to see that as a possibility? I don't think I actually said I am going to become a FIFA referee. Mm-hmm. I don't think I said that. I just kind of said, oh, okay, I'm going to go out tomorrow. i got a game at 2 o'clock. It's going to be great. And I loved it. Yeah. And I just went out there. I became involved in, in the association in, in, in British Columbia in Vancouver. And I became the secretary of the association. And so I became involved in, in that sense. I started to meet the FIFA referees. Uh, Leonard Vincent, the only Canadian referee who's been to the World Cup uh, from Canada. We have assistant referees in like Hector Magara so, so who, and then uh, Joe Fletcher. Uh, so, but he was the only referee we eventually had in the in the World Cup. So I met all these people early on, but I don't think I ever said I'm gonna push and do anything I can to become a FIFA referee. Mm-hmm. I think it just kind of happened because I was so uh, enthusiastic and I was obviously had some degree of capability. Depends who you ask, maybe not all the players at all times. <laughs> but um, so I think they actually pushed me more than I maybe pushed myself. Sure, uh, and. Uh, I kind of, in a way, got caught in the timing where you, when they made the FIFA system referee orange badge, mm-hmm. when that came out in the early 90s, that was kind of seen in the countries as, as you, you become a national referee, then you become a FIFA assistant referee, and then you become a referee, FIFA referee. And I kind of got caught in that thing. I think they put me as a FIFA assistant referee to then make me a FIFA referee. 
but I was also a very good assistant, assistant referee because I was quick and I was, you know, I, I studied the offside law and I, I, I kind of, so by the time I became a FIFA assistant referee, FIFA said, no, 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 no. If you, you cannot just go straight from an assistant referee to a FIFA referee, you have to give up your badge, wait a year, and then you can apply to become a FIFA referee. So when I was approached about doing that, I kind of went, you know, I don't think, I was happy being an assistant referee. I think I really wanted to probably be a FIFA referee, mm-hmm. but I was not unhappy being an assistant referee. And I just felt, you made me a FIFA I'm not just going to yeah. get that back. Yeah. And who knows what's going to happen. In, no, I'll stay. I'm happy. It's yeah. good. You know? So that's what happened. So I I don't regret doing that. I think I would have been a very good referee as well and maybe had more opportunities. Although I have to say that probably my biggest um, pride in my career is that I went to five tournaments. And of the five tournaments, I got the final in each five of them. Wow. Which which were they? The biggest one was the Gold Cup. Okay. The Gold Cup is the same as your European Championship. This is our flagship. It's our big competition from all the national teams in, in CONCACAF that we have every two years. You have it every four years, but we have it every two years. Okay. So 1999, that, that week, I was at the final. So, so some... USA against Brazil. Because oh, they invite the common board country. Okay. Often into the, um, so who who was in the Brazilian yeah. team then? Pardon? Who was in the Brazilian team for those that game? Uh that was the uh, Donga. Oh, I think I've seen the photo. I, I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna post the photo in the video because it, there's a photo with you and Dunga. That's right. Yeah, I, I've seen that. That's one. actually that picture is from a exhibition game between uh. Canada. And Brazil mm-hmm. in 1994 in Edmonton Commonwealth Stadium played just before the World Cup, where Brazil actually won the World Cup in the States at that time. Okay, wow. And it was, you know, Jair Marufo? Yep. The referee in that game is his dad. Oh, wow. Okay, that's amazing. Only yeah. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and um, so, so, so you, you were an assistant referee at a time when. The at least for the some of the later um, tournaments, the te- the referee teams were still mixed, right? Is that something that that's you correct. did? You did yes, there that's as well. Correct. How yeah, how was that? Totally. How was that? Because obviously you're working potentially with people. Were, did everyone speak English or no? No. Okay. We, we all spoke soccer. Okay. So you know, we... I actually think my personal opinion is that they should still do this, mm-hmm. even at the FIFA World Cup level, because I have seen referee teams that have been sent home because the assistant referee, for example, made a mistake. Yeah. Or I have seen where the referee made a mistake and the assistant referee were very good. Yeah. And and they sent them. I believe that the competency that we have at the moment and, and the language that everybody's now really speaking English with them with the communication system that we have. I think that the finals would be given to the best referee, the best two assistant referees and the best fourth official. Okay. The next best referee. I think that the argument against that possibly would be that if you're working as a team, 
you get to know each other as a team and you're you're a little bit more well oiled. But but you're right. It should if if one makes a mistake, it shouldn't penalise the other. I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and obviously that. And that, this is just my this is my personal opinion. Sure. Sure. I mean, um, that it happened at the the uh, the women's World Cup last year. There was mixed teams, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. But the, they normally stayed together the whole way through. But there was that's a, true. Yeah. yeah. Congregate sends a team that has you know Jamaican and Canadian on, on the same team, and they stay together as a sure. team. Okay. Yeah. So, but so, we should be at this level. We should be working as a team, right. and we should be able to make the right decisions as a referee with help from the assistant referee. If you get the correct help, yeah, the best help you can get in that particular instance, the incident that just happened, you need everybody focused and you need the right information. And if if it's somebody who you normally who is not as good as somebody else. Then I think that somebody else would be a better uh, yeah. match at that point. I couldn't agree more on that. Um, uh, so going back to your career, so I, I assume the the Gold Cup final with Brazil USA is the the highlight. I guess what happened or when did oh, you? Mexico, sorry, was Mexico in oh. U, in USA? Oh, sorry, Mexico Brazil in, in USA. I said I think I may have said USA. It was <laughs> Mexico against. Um, Brazil in the LA Coliseum, 97,000 people, I think. Wow. Which at that time was amazing because we're not, we were not used to the big numbers in soccer. Sure. In those states, in the states, certainly not in Canada. So, so what, what happened? How did you, how, as your career went on, when did it, when did it finish? And like, was it, was it, um, was it quick, your transition into observing or what, what happened at the end of your career? Actually, this was towards the end of my career. The la my last uh, tournament was the Pan America Games that actually happened in Canada, mm -hmm. in Winnipeg. And then uh, in 1999, I, I came off the list because I uh, because of my age, and um, that was just mandatory. Sure. I had already started to <clears throat> develop training material for referees because I was chairman of the British Columbia Referee. Uh, education. I was actually the only person really running it at that time. There was nobody hired. There was nobody being paid. I did all this for free. Yeah. I made uh, videos. I made uh, training material for referees because there was nothing available. All the material that we're getting now from FIFA, it only came out much later. Sure. So I I needed it for me to train my referees in British Columbia. So I started the two v VHS tapes. Or actually beta because beta was the better quality. Yeah. So for, I had beta max and I would for all transfer. The, for all the um, viewers who don't know what they are, I'll, I'll show some some pictures of what those are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would just take record the game and, and put it from one VCR to the other. And um, the quality was terrible because mm -hmm. at that time the video signal from the TV wasn't the greatest. Yeah, and going so that wasn't the best. And then I found out that you can get a scan converter, so you can actually put text onto the video, onto the on the video VCR. And then it became into capturing the video onto a capture board onto my computer with a SCSI drive that was fast enough, so I could now actually start right. editing yeah. and putting this all together uh, digitally. Mm -hmm. And then back out to, to VHS because VSS was the only thing or beta was the only thing available in those times. 
And further on, I actually had to learn how to author a DVD and make it into uh, with the menu and, and, and quizzes and offside clicks and all these things I developed for not only for BC but also for Canada. And uh, one time, for example, I developed a, a little exercise because um, they said it seems to us that sometimes when you give an exam to see if you are supposed to become a national referee, that there are people with language problems that are really affected by this. It, it takes them too long to read the question. They can't really write the answers. Uh, and we think some of them are actually good practical referees. So I made a video test. So instead of them having a written test, it became a video test where they would just answer what they saw on the screen. Yeah. So uh, this is in the early days I did all, all these kind of things. So I was actually more instructor at that time. Mm -hmm. But of course, when you find it, when you look for the clips, you study the referee all the time. I did nothing but study referees all the time. I, I just used it as an instructor. Sure. And, not, and I left the assessor program to the side for other people to kind of run. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I guess I didn't really have the time. Mm -hmm. And I love the instructing part of it. But as soon as I flipped over, and started assessing, then I actually enjoyed that more than instructing, because I really now felt that the difference in the impact that you can that you can have. Sure. And um, and what was it? Just a opportune moment that someone said, "Hey, we need an, an assessor for this game," or was it like a career choice to make that that switch? No, I was still instructing, but it was like the they did not have enough assessors. Sure. In, in British Columbia, in Vancouver area. So locally, I just started going out to assess these young up-and-coming referees, and I absolutely enjoyed it. And then from there, it took off, and I switched more towards the to the assessor side and became a provincial referee, and then I became a national ref, uh, assessor, sorry, national provincial assessor and a national assessor. Brilliant. So... So everyone who's listening in most cases are going to be referees. And the one question that they're going to want to know is like, what are you looking for when you're watching them referee? And, and specifically at like the different levels, because you can't judge a referee. At, well, can you, I guess, is the question. Can you judge a referee the same as a grassroots referee, as a FIFA referee, well, you I, think, I, I think that it, maybe the interesting part is the interesting answer is that I look for the same things, okay. and that is what can I tell this referee that he's going to be able to take into his next game and make better. Okay. And it doesn't matter he's a FIFA referee who has problem with his anticipation positioning and therefore made some wrong calls or miss some calls mm -hmm. and he needs to adjust those reading the game mm -hmm. that could be the same for a younger referee but for the younger new referee there may be foul recognition that he needs to work on sure. but what is it that I can talk to him about that he needs to understand and implement to make him a better referee so he can actually remember it try it and feel it and, and, and work it. And you never know what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. Because when I think I've seen it after 10 minutes, 
something happens that's more important. Sure. 23 minutes later. So the key becomes not to overlook this referee, the high-level FIFA referee or the new 16-year-old female referee refereeing a boys game. Yeah. Doesn't really matter. What is it that, that they need at this moment to make them? And not only a better referee, but also more comfortable with their refereeing abilities even when they make mistakes. Because the biggest thing, the biggest problem that we have is we lose referees because they're getting abused by players and coaches and spectators. And they need to somehow know that it's okay to make mistakes and that they are they keep on they have to keep on trying because they will get better and they will be able to understand that they are right. Yeah. And the other people are often wrong. Because if you don't if they don't have an assessor, they start doubting themselves because nobody tells them that they are right. Mm-hmm. They always tell them that they're wrong and they and one team says they're wrong and the next time the other team says they're wrong. I mean they do the opposite, they're wrong. <laughs> so they never know whether they, they lose the confidence. And then we lose them as referees. Sure. So it's really important for the referee to, uh, for the assessor, we call them observers, it's very important for the assessor to be able to give some confidence into the refereeing and saying, you are good and you are going to get better and try to enjoy it and stay with it and we, we need you. So, so what you've just said is super interesting because I think the perception wrongly is that assessors are there to um stop you from progressing right like that that to me is uh, maybe not it's the it's not fully um recognized in the refereeing community but it's a big like a lot of people have that perception right so what you've just said is actually uh an assessor is a kind of a coach to some degree you are a coach you're part of the team i tell i tell the I tell the referees at the high level, and I think you, I haven't assessed at the lower levels for some time, but to me, it's like I tell them, I am here as the team, as part, I'm part of the team, and if you fail, so do I. I feel it mm-hmm. as much as you do, because I want you to succeed. If they think I'm there to grade them, and only to grade them, and only to point out the negative, then I have not done my job in making them a better referee for this match at all. Certainly not for the next match. Sure. The grading is important because as, as a supervisor of assessor of CONCACAF, I'm pushing very hard that we get uniformity in the grading. Mm-hmm. Because if we have uniformity in the grading, if the grading is incorrect, then you can use the grading to see who are the better referees. If not, the grading means nothing. Mm-hmm. But some of the exercises I do when I train assessors is to say to them, here's a clip. Tell me if you're going to change the score just from this clip alone. And most of the times when I, when I correct, when I look at the, the answers from the assessors, and these are high-level assessors, if they're wrong, it's 99% of the times because they, put, they, they mark the referee down. Okay. It's never, hardly ever, that they or they mark them up all the time when they shouldn't mark them up. That's not what happens. They always mark them down when they shouldn't. Okay. 
So in terms of that strive for uniformity, I guess that's the... I think that's the question that uh, players and coaches have about referees, about consistency. But actually referees um, want to see that with observers and assessors, right? Is um, a form of consistency with the marking. Is that possible or is that just a... Uh, how 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 does any organisation ensure or an, enable their observers to be singing off the same page in terms of marks because it must be different we all watch football and see it differently right yes it is very very it's very difficult what i try to point out to the assessors is in the in the assessment form that we use we have a we have a grading where we go excellent very good good satisfactory Below expectation, unacceptable. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I'm pushing the assessors to get is that they all fall in that same bracket. The bracket has, let's say, for example, good. It has 8.3 and 8.4. So if you give an 8.3 and 8.4, if all the assessors, when they watch that game, gave an 8.3 or 8.4 in this particular game, then I'm happy. Sure. We close, we close enough. What I see is that we go from 7.4 or 7.7 to 8.6, 8.7 on the same match. Yeah. If we have them all watch the same match and give a score. That's the problem. So that's so that's where we that, that's where we really have to train assessors in. What is it that make you change the score for a referee? Why is it that you always want to look at one thing that happened in the game and now you want to put put them down in the scoring? And if if if, if the opposite happened that they got it right, you're not gonna you're not gonna give it to them as a positive and, and raise their score, which is bag off. Mm. So these are problems that, that that we see. That I think if we get assessors to understand that part of it and, and looking more at the overall performance. And giving the field, I call it the field score. Yeah. To give the field score for that official, instead of just looking at the the one or two mistakes they make and use that for the scoring, mm-hmm. then I think, and, and we are working hard on that in, in Concacaf to really get the assessors to understand and 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 be consistent with, with their scoring. Because it, if if it doesn't mean anything, if you don't get it right, then we shouldn't even have the score, and you don't need it. So you can use realistically, the score is used, like you said, to benchmark a, a group of referees, right? But individually, the 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 more, most important thing is the feedback, right? Is the it's all about we are there to help the referee become better. That is our role, not to mark them. That's just a byproduct of being there. Mm-hmm. But our role has to be focused on. What solutions can I give to this referee with those three incidents that happened when mistakes were made that, that is avoidable? Sure. Um, and the best assessor can direct the referee and the referee's mind towards the answer instead of giving it to them. Okay. Yeah. So they use questions to get it get the referee to basically give their feedback themselves right we need the referee to <clears throat> to think it up to, to come up with solutions themselves so they can come up with solutions themselves during the game sure we need them to understand it <clears throat> and feel it and understand it so they can then take it and use it okay so when you're when you're giving a, a debrief to a referee um 
what what like what, have you got like hard and fast rules about what you you think is best practice is it like do, do you have like a time would you ever spend more than a certain amount of time or less than a certain amount of time with someone um are you giving them like just one or two pointers are you giving them good bad good like how do you how do you deliver the the feedback <clears throat> well it all depends because we have single games and we have tournaments sure and for single games we like to say that the debrief should happen 15 or 20 minutes debrief should happen as soon as possible if it can happen in the dressing room because you're waiting there and the game has just ended that's fine but if you have to wait till you get back to the hotel sometimes in CONCACAF we have big travel issues because we have long distances and we have different connections like it's very often that you get the games are late mm-hmm. you get back to the hotel at 10 o'clock 11 o'clock some of the referees or sometimes myself are leaving at four o'clock in the morning yeah five o'clock in the morning so there's very little very little time so you have to squeeze it in there and the debrief becomes shorter mm-hmm. but what you do is because at this point you haven't watched the game the footage of the game. So now you have to, in your debrief, say, but let's clarify, let's wait until we have the video and we can now see if this was the correct call, if, 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 if it was a problem, that we can, have, we can have a look. And so now I go back with the email yep. and sending clips back and forth with the officials to make sure that we, we cover all the bases. Mm-hmm. If you are at a tournament, then you have much more time because you're spending two, three weeks together. Sure. And I, I really, I would, I can talk about it for hours. <laughs> so if if the referees want and they come to me and say, please talk to me more, more, I will do that. Yeah. But it has to come from them. If it doesn't come from them, then I spend that half an hour, forty minutes, and I show them all the because at this point in the tournament, I have all the clips. I cut all the clips already. Mm-hmm. So I sit there with them and just. You know, show them the clips and talk about it and talk about what they see and what they were thinking and how they could improve it, what options did they have in those plays. And so at that time, it is longer, but I let them decide. So, so I, I, I'm, I'm going to speak hypothetically here, but I assume occasions, well, for referees, they might not agree occasionally with something that they get fed back in a debrief. Um, That's correct. What's the best way of handling that from both a refereeing side and an observer side like is it healthy that a referee challenges the observer yes of course because the observer is not up here and the referee down here mm-hmm. you are a team so in a team for a team to work you have to have dialogue you have to have respect and you have to have dialogue so you want the referee to challenge what you say because you want to know what they're thinking mm-hmm if you put them in a position where they don't want to challenge you because they're afraid of you or they think you're better than them or whatever the reason is, then you're not reaching them, then you're not making them better. Okay. You're shutting part of that process down. So it's really, really important to, to have them. This is why in our assessor manual, one of the things that we say to our assessor is who talked the most at the debrief? Mm-hmm. You. Or the referee. It should be the referee. Okay. You need to hear what they think and what they know because when you when you know what they know, then you know what they don't know. Or then you, then you know how to help them. 
become better referees. If they hide it from you, if they lie to you because there's no trust, then you have failed. Mm-hmm. No matter what your score is, no matter what you write in your assessment form, you have failed. Yeah. No, this is this is to me. I'm I'm a, I'm quiet because I'm like this is what you're what you're saying is so great to hear, um, and it's probably been my misconception about the whole kind of um, art of being an observer. <laughs> so it's great right. to hear um, the the your lines. Um, I got some um, some smaller random questions, I guess, um, just 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 out of interest, I guess. Um, being an observer. You have to, in most cases, you have to be an observer. You can only observe at a certain level if you've refereed at that level. In most cases, is that correct? It depends how analytical you are. One of the things that the observers has to be able to do is to feel the game. We ask our referees to feel the game. So if you have something, you say the same thing to every referee all the time, yeah. then you're not doing your job right because you, this game may need you to do that, but the next game may need you to do something different in the same situation. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that you have that flexibility and understanding that what is it that this game needs at this time? Yeah. But it's the referee. So if the referee does something you didn't like, but if it works, then it's okay. And then you have to give them, then you can talk about that, but that's okay because it worked for that. Mm-hmm. They may have taught you something. Because everyone has a there's different there's different personalities on the pitch, right? Exactly, and, and, and you do not want to make them the same. The cookie cutter, you know, like it's very very important that you look at that referee and his performance and what did he do and did that work for him? Yeah, and how can I improve on it? But not that doesn't mean that he has to become a different personality. If he needs to become an actor because he's not outgoing enough and strong enough and he needs to show strength at times, mm-hmm. then that might be something you can talk to him about. Sure. That doesn't, if he needs that in his personality and he doesn't have it, then he has to find a way of acting it out if he needs it in the game. So, yeah, there's many, many aspects of it. It's amazing. I think the most interesting part that I have realized over the last couple of years is when I get a new referee or system referee who just comes off the list. Mm-hmm. They have a high level, very, very effective referees or system referees and they come into the assessment observer uh, category portion. They have now had every game they've done the last 10 years, they have an assessor. Yep. And they are totally foreign to this concept. <laughs> Of assessing, they they are just fraud of how difficult it is and how different it is from refereeing. It's a different skill set, right? It's a whole different skill set. Yeah, and it's often and just like we say, the best referee doesn't necessarily become the best instructor. The best player doesn't necessarily become the best coach. Sure. And it's the same that the, the best referee or system referee doesn't necessarily become the best assessor. Okay. So you so there are. There are possibilities that people who get to a kind of a, a semi-national level could become a, a, an, a, an elite observer just based Absolutely. on... Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. If they have the personality, then football understand. They have to have football understand. Yeah. 
that to love the game and know the game. Mm-hmm. But if they have that, the analytical and their good people skills, yeah. then they could they could easily become one of the best assessors, no matter what level they, they play at. Sure. It's not easy and it's not often that it happens, but it can clearly happen. And um, in terms of um, observing, obviously there's there's VAR now um, yes. in, in many competitions. Um, has CONCACAF got VAR in any competitions yet? Not yet, but we are, we are training VARs at the moment. Sure. And we were, we were supposed to start it for the uh, Gold Cup uh-huh. next year, and maybe for so maybe some semi-finals of the Champions sure. League or yeah. something. I'm not really sure because everything got kind of put on hold. Sure, of course. So but we are, we are we are training it VARs, and we have it in the MLS. So how do you um, do, as an observer do you observe VARs? Is there an observer for VARs, or is that done by someone else? No, there's not. Okay. I don't believe, I mean, you, you, you would know if they have it in England, I don't believe so. We have actually, in our discussion, we have pretty much decided that at this, at this uh, juncture of the process, uh, nothing is going to be changed in terms of the way the assessor looks at the game, except they have to understand the VAR principles and, for example, understand the delayed flag by the assistant referee yep. is caused because of VAR. They have to understand that, but they're not actually doing anything more than that. Mm-hmm. They're still just assessing the game as though that was, if that's VARs or not. Sure. I guess I, I guess how do um, VARs get feedback on their performance is probably the, the, the question. And there will be a VAR trainer. Okay. And you okay. Can, I guess you can call them VAR assessor observer. Yeah. But like you but said, it's, 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 it should be the same role as a coach. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. They will be looking at different things during the game and the accessible. Okay. Brilliant. Um, so I, I like to end my um, interviews with like, what p- three pieces of advice would you give to young aspiring referees? And I'd like to ask that same question, but also um, maybe also talk about what advice you'd give to um, observers who are new observers who maybe aspire right. to be at the top, if, if you may. I think for, for, for the young referees, um, you have to know the game. You have It helps if you love the game. I can't say you must love the game, but if you want to go far, you have to love the game. You have to know the game. So what I mean by that is you have to be open and watch everybody else and see how they referee. So you, you do that in your local park with the people that are refereeing the games that you are refereeing and see what you can take from what they do because everybody is different and you need to watch games on TV, They're even the high-level games because then how do you get to know the modern game? The modern game of soccer is really, really important. So number one is you be open to any kind of opportunity to do something different if what you're doing doesn't work and you get that by seeing how other people are doing. So that would be one good advice. The second advice is if you want to go somewhere, then your passport to your traveling is your fitness. Mm-hmm. And not only that, your fitness enables you to be in a position to see or control parts of the game. Yeah. So therefore, you need, to keep, you need to stay fit. You need to come up with a fitness program that works for you continuously. Even though you're young right now and fit, you have to stay 
a little bit older and fit, and maybe even fitter. And if you have to have a special trainer, if you have to have somebody who understand if you have a little injury or weakness, how you prevent that weakness for stopping you traveling. Because as you, if you want to go to the top, but even if not, you need to get point from point A to point B at the right time at the right speed. So fitness is, is really, really important. I think the last thing that would be a good advice is when you have to make big decisions, take your time. Because it's the big decision that gets you in trouble. And we like to say always go down if you if, if you're not if it's orange, go yellow. Mm-hmm. If it's on the edge of the penalty area, you know, it's very, very close, you don't stay out. Yep. But I'm just saying, take your time. Make the decision that, that's right at this time for the game. Don't be afraid of being a practical referee without breaking the law. Mm-hmm. Because we have to make sure that the referee does not isolate themselves from the game, that we still can be seen as somebody who understands the game and wants the game to go in a certain direction because the spirit of the game is that, and that's what the players and the coaches and the fans and the, and the commentators and everybody else wants from the game. And we can't be separated from that and just use the law book. So take your time and come up with the right decision and don't be afraid of making it because it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that will help. No, that's great. And for, observers, and for the observer, sorry. Yeah, no, for the observers, exactly. And and, and for the assessors, I would say the, the first thing is be humble. Uh-huh. And just what I said about the referee, know the game mm-hmm. and feel this game. Don't I see so many observers who are chit chatting away with people and they're not really watching the game. I. I would say if you want to do a good job, you have to be concentrating on this game and this refereeing crew right now. To do them justice, you have to see what happens. And you can only do that by feeling the game and watching the game. So you need to put yourself in the referee's shoes doing this game and the assistant referees and the fourth official and not be apart from it, just like the referee shouldn't be apart from the game. I think that's really, really important because now you have this, this guy right now this lady right now and this is what you focus on and this is where you need to give solutions mm-hmm. so that would be definitely number one number two is you may have to approach the debrief because the debrief is what all you have with these especially the younger you have to approach the debrief depending on your interpersonal skills and what is the personality of that referee so your debrief has to be geared towards reaching the referee. So you have to find out the personality and how, how can I get this referee to talk more to me and how can I get this referee to be open and how can I connect mm-hmm. with this referee because I may have to use a different approach that I used last week because it's a very different personality. But if I can reach the referee, then I can have dialogue with the referee. And if I have dialogue with the referee, I have possibilities of helping the referee with solutions for this particular game to take into their next game. So I think that that's really critical. For the higher level, for the higher level assessors and maybe the, for the lower level games as well, don't knock the referees down on it. Don't just look at negatives. Mm-hmm. Look at all the... <clears throat> the whole game as a whole and come up with the with a written text and a score 
that is consistently fair, no matter what the game was, who the referee was, so that you can start becoming credible. Mm-hmm. It's difficult, but I think it's important because we need, if, 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 unless we take the scoring out of all assessments, then we need the score to mean something. Sure. And it can only mean something and everybody gets on that path. Yeah. So. No, that's excellent. It's, it's absolutely fascinating to get into um, a whole different side of, of the refereeing community and understand the uh, <laughs> the assessor side. And I probably could, uh, we have done in the past, but we could spend hours talking about it. But okay. I, I, think that, <laughs> I think that was a great, um, a great chat. Um, um, and I hopefully some referees uh, see a different side to assessors and maybe take some of your right. advice on board when they're speaking to assessors and hopefully any assessors who are listening maybe could take some of your your advice too um but it's definitely fascinating and really appreciate your time and giving it up to sure. to speak to me and and share the message with with the community so thank you there's a lot of fun thank you Hassan. i appreciate all that you do for the game and for the referees as well so uh <clears throat> i look forward to seeing you person when all this covid19 is kind of disappear somehow and we can sit down and have a chat together perfect and hopefully a beer <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> okay. cheers john um well, cool thank thank you that's that